MSW Media. News Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, September 18th, 2019. Today, impeachment hearings begin, the Israeli election, Judge Sullivan dismisses a libel suit, more racist comments by the president, and Zach Morris as the governor of California. I'm your host, AG, and with me today are Mandy Reeder. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. You're not used to that yet. <laughs> You're like, mm, yes. Uh, yeah, every, thank you for sitting in. Uh, Jaleesa is on vacation, so she'll be back, I believe, on Thursday. <clears throat> so we look forward to her return. And in the meantime, Mandy Reader's sitting in. So thank you very much for covering. Thanks for having me. No a problem. Uh, so today were the hearings, and they were dumb at first, and then they got awesome. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that um, in Hot Notes. Well, why don't we just kick it off with Hot Notes? Hot notes. So, yeah, to jump right in, uh, the impeachment hearings officially began Tuesday with the testimony of bitch bag extraordinaire Corey Lewandowski, who was so pretentious and childish that I'm actually fuming that no Democrat on the House Judiciary called a point of order to introduce a motion to hold him in contempt and lock his punchable face up until he talked. Yeah. I, wa- I wanted them to Ugh. just call contempt, motion to contempt, uh, fine him. $20,000 a day, put him in jail until he talks. Mm-hmm. There's a precedent for this. But recently, there was a woman that uh, wouldn't uh, speak. Uh, I think Chelsea Manning is in jail right now um, because she won't uh, testify uh, in, in her own case, uh, or at least in the in the Assange case, mm-hmm. um, for because he's being charged with, like, I think, 17 counts of espionage or something from 2010. Uh, and so this is a, a normal practice. The the House Judiciary, I believe, has inherent contempt powers. You don't have to go through the Attorney General. I don't think. If I'm wrong, just please send, you know send us a correction. Uh, they just lock him up and and just let him sit in jail and charge him money until he talks. Yeah, it would just give them and his side like so much fuel just to say more and more bullshit about how unfair all of this is to them, though. Good, so I, I think that's care. why they don't. I think that's why they don't do it. That's a dumb reason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I understand. But like, we have to start. We have to push up. Yeah. I mean, especially when you're dealing with like a child. That's another element. Maybe they're like, what am I? I'm not I'm not here to like tell you how to be an adult human person, dude. So I know. It, it's like it's almost. Yeah, it's fucking infuriating. I feel like Barry Burke could have gotten down out of his seat. And like, you know how you, when you talk to a child, you like kneel down so that you're eye level to them. Like, I wish he would have done that now because yeah. he so- sort of did because when he would ask questions and and Lewandowski would just sit there or demur or say, I've, I've asked and answered that question. No, you've been asked and answered that question, first mm-hmm. of all. Se- and second of all, no, you haven't. But then what he'll do is he'll repeat the exact same question just more slowly for him like he did treat him like a child and Mm -hmm. i think that that agitated him a little bit and kind of threw him off his game that's why it got really good at the end in the last half hour yeah the best part of his attitude in the beginning and watching it like evolve was just watching his whole visage like just crumble Mm, yeah from Um, beginning to end of the day visage (laughs) (laughs) facade visage (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, because he starts out, you know, like, hey, 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 I'm going to fucking only quote this one letter the White House told me to quote. And I'm going to do over. it yeah, over and over again. And I'm just following the rules. And then, like, a few people in, he starts to crumble when it becomes so blatantly obvious, even to him, how stark of a contrast it is between how he responds to Democrats and how he responds to Republicans and how freaking petty it looks. Yeah. And he did refuse to answer questions citing executive privilege while acknowledging that that privilege is not his. That privilege is not mine. I understand the privilege is not mine because he's never worked for the executive branch. I have a better claim to executive privilege than this shitbox does. And I know that even though We Are News was swearing, I might be swearing a little more than usual today, but I'm, I'm pissed off about this. Yeah. And, I, and it's funny because I, I see a lot of tweets. Um, I did use some uh, all caps, not the entire tweet, but uh, you know, I was yelling a little bit about they need to hold him in contempt. Uh, and they somebody said that at the end, that Cipollone uh, or somebody, or Cicilline said, I, I, I want to, he did a, a motion to hold him in contempt. And, and Nadler said, we're not taking contempt off the table. We're going to take another look at this. Um, but he, anyway, I'm swearing more. I'm, and I'm mad. Oh, God, and, yeah, and people were com- people were coming at me on Twitter like, oh, somebody needs to calm down. Somebody sounds a little desperate. And my, my response today might be a little over the top, but I keep saying, yeah, I'm a disabled veteran. I sacrificed a lot. Uh, for the Constitution, and I hate it when people shit all over it. So yeah, I'm a little desperate to save democracy. Yeah, well, I am not a veteran, and I do not have PTS in the same struggles that you have. I was just personally infuriated because of the amount of disrespect that was demonstrated. Honestly, not even by Lewandowski, that's to be expected, but by all of the other Republican Congress members, which is the case every single time with any of these hearings. It is so incredibly disappointing to look at them and then for them to sit there with a straight face and say that the reason why this hearing is such an issue is because it's preventing them from moving on and talking about more productive things as if they were going to have those conversations in any more of a productive way. Yeah, they're not passing any bills. And the House has passed 125 bills and they're sitting on McConnell's desk doing nothing. Remember when they tried to today in the hearings, they tried to say, let's move on to something like passing a single election security bill. You know who's blocking those? Fucking Mitch McConnell, you dumbass. And the House has passed three of them. Three yes. election security bills. And, and I could be wrong. I, it might be as high as five. We aren't sure. They're just buried on McConnell's desk. Today's a day when I wish this was a video show, because <laughs> if they could only see both of your faces right now. God, I'm so upset. <laughs> if you could see me now, I am so fucking pissed. Yes. I really hate this dick. I want to see him. Kick. And um, one, can I say one thing that I noticed? Yeah, I mean, of course. There's many things that I noticed, but this is one that I wrote down. So... In the beginning, when he was doing that thing where he was sticking incredibly to just repeating that essentially like privilege language, um, one of the only times that he cited that privilege to a Republican who was questioning him was when he was asked if any pardons were dangled. Oh, Did a you Republican, catch that? No, a Republican, Republican asked, a Republican if, any asked him if any pardons were dangled. Uh, if my memory is correct, I was working out and there was like some big douche bro that I imagine was a Trump supporter. So I put it on mute <laughs> um, but, and I was just reading it. And but the, all the questions, I'm pretty sure it was a Republican guy. So the only time that I had heard him or read him cite that letter to a Republican was as soon as he asked a question that he shouldn't have asked him, which was basically and were any sort of pardon, pardons dangled to you by the president. And he's like, I'm not a liberty, but <laughs> whatever that language is. Did I say dangles were pardoned? Dangles were pardoned. Or did I say pardons, <laughs> pardons were dangled? Were dangled. I don't know. I feel like I said dangles were pardoned because I just wrote down dangles are pardoned. Nice. Hmm. Okay. It sounds better that way. I, I think too. Um, but yeah, my point oh. is just like, first off, 
why would you ask him that question? Because that's such like a that's such a dumb question for a Republican to ask him in that scenario. Was it Burke? <laughs> no, I forget the name. I almost wrote the guy's name down. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. But then, but yeah, just for him, it's like okay, so. It's the only, it's the first question I think that he didn't just like straight up answer. Yeah, he, he was very articulate with all the Republicans. Mm-hmm. But he not only mocked the committee by claiming he's part of one of the most transparent administrations ever and touting his 20 hours of testimony prior to Tuesday's hearings, but then refused to answer any questions, uh, even some that were in the report. But he blatantly disrespected members on multiple occasions by refusing to read what they put on the screen for him. At, it, it became quickly apparent that he, he wasn't going to uh, answer questions from the Mueller report unless they cited the page number and paragraph and volume for him until he read it himself and then he would answer the questions is a delay tactic it's a clear delay tactic because basically he he's saying he doesn't actually remember anything he told the special counsel mm-hmm. and he has to see it in mm-hmm. the report because he's promised the white house and the white house lawyers are sitting right behind him right that uh he wouldn't say anything that wasn't in the Mueller report and he needs the exact paragraph <clears throat> even just a page number isn't good enough he right needs the exact paragraph and so when they started flashing it up on the screen for him um, like the, the Sheila Jackson Lee did this, uh, they started to get their shit together and they started putting the quotes up on the screen, which they should have done in, you know, earlier. And so she said, uh, it says in the report, this and that, did you do this? You know, did you go to, uh, were you asked by Trump twice to go back to Jeff Sessions? You know, did he check in twice or something to that effect? And he's like, uh, can you cite that in the Mueller report? She's like, it's on the screen. You can read it. And he just stared at her and, and she goes, read the screen. And he's like, you can read it, Congresswoman. You can read it to me. God, you may you racist. may you may read it to me, Congresswoman. And he did that to several other members, too. Um, and they started with the five minute rule, which I hate. I hate. I hate. But then they moved on to staff council questions. Um, but Lewandowski, who bragged about coming in and cooperating with candid open answers, refused to answer anything that, uh, y- you know, he wouldn't read the references to. And the and the only positive here is that Americans who aren't stupid will have seen the obstruction in play on television for mm-hmm. all to see. Anybody who didn't see the obstruction on TV is stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Or ignorant, if you want to, if I don't want to stupid shame anyone. <laughs> but the counsel for the House Dems took over, a guy named Burke, and Barry Burke, a very well-known lawyer in, in the D.C. area, or New York, I can't remember, but this is what I've, be, I've been waiting for. He, he asked him, did you ever become concerned that the president asked you to do something that exposed you to criminal liability? Nothing. And so he asked it again slower. Did you ever become concerned that the president asked you to do something that exposed you to criminal liability? He asked it three times with no answer. So then he showed a video from Lewandowski on Fox News where Lewandowski said, if you take the fifth when you're in trouble, I've never taken the fifth. I'll answer any questions. People, you know, people who only are in trouble take the fifth. Then Burke repeated the question more slowly and Lewandowski said, I have no concerns. And then he said, isn't it true you were offered immunity prior to offering questions with the special counsel? Uh, and he was asked this three times and he skirted it every time. And, and he, he asked again, are you denying you asserted your Fifth Amendment rights unless you got a grant of immunity when you talked to Mueller? And he says, I've, I've, I've asked and answered that, which is incorrect grammatically. And he said again, and he asked again and he didn't answer again. He just kept saying, is it in the report? If it's in the report, I can talk about it. Uh, And that's a question for Mueller. And then he was asked again, like a sixth time, and he demurred on it again. 
And so he said, do you agree with your statement that you would assert the Fifth Amendment if you weren't granted immunity, as you said you would on Fox News? And Lewandowski said, I was not under any obligation to to not engage in hyperbole on Fox News. I was not under oath at the time. And he said, I'll ask you again. Is it still your testimony that you appeared voluntarily to the special counsel as you testified to earlier uh, and that you weren't under a grant of immunity? Because earlier in congressional testimony, when he, he I think when he testified to the Senate um, Intelligence Committee, uh, Lewandowski had said that he voluntarily uh, spoke to Mueller. But he's asking him here. Didn't you say that you would take the fifth if you weren't granted immunity? And he asked him like six times and he wouldn't straight up answer it and just said, to my recollection, I appeared appeared in front of the special counsel voluntarily. And then he's, do you receive immunity, sir? Well, Mueller didn't tell you if Don Jr. invoked the fifth, so you need to ask Mueller. So now we know Don Jr. invoked the fifth and so did Lewandowski uh, and said he would invoke the fifth unless he got immunity. So I think he got immunity and he lied to Congress by saying he w- he spoke to Mueller voluntarily because he didn't. If you plead, if you Is, threaten to plead the fifth, are those two things mutually exclusive? What immunity and voluntarily talking to Mueller? No, pleading the fifth and voluntarily and voluntarily are talking to Mueller. Okay. If if I voluntarily talk to Mueller, I do it without any conditions. Oh, I, I assume that was just more of a thing that comes up when a certain question is asked. No, no, this is if you say for the you, entirety of questioning from Mueller, you would plead the fifth for all of it. Well, he said, I'm not I'm going to plead the fifth on everything unless you give me immunity. Mm. And so uh, at least that's what the questions that Burke was asking was got inferring. It, it. So if that was the case, which he wouldn't answer here under oath, that means he did not voluntarily do it, which means that he could have previously lied to Congress. Um, Then he asked, have you ever been untruthful about being asked to answer questions to the special counsel? To which Corey said, I've been honest to the best of my ability. And Burke whips out another clip from Fox News or no, meet the press, excuse me, which is pretty much just like Fox News uh, from March 25th, 2018, where Corey says he hadn't even been asked by Mueller to testify. And when the clip is over, Burke's like, so were you being truthful? And he said, I don't know if I'd been asked to speak with Mueller by that date. And Burke asked if uh, he knew that his interview with special counsel was April 6th. You know, what's that? Uh, Twelve days later. Uh, So you denied you'd been asked to speak with special counsel when you actually had. So you're being untruthful about that. To which Corey replied, are we asking about a discussion with the media or whether I've been sworn to testify? And he says, I'm asking whether you lied to the public. And, and that's when Corey said, oh, sorry, no one before Congress has ever lied to the public. I'm sorry. And it's a very Kavanaugh response. <laughs> I like beer. I like beer. <laughs> I still like beer. What I did like you drink? Squeeze. What kind of beer do you like? Do you drink? Have you ever blacked out, Senator Klobuchar? Um, so he says, no, what I'm saying is that when under oath, I've always told the truth. But then in another video clip, they caught him in another lie. And Lewandowski said, I have no obligation to be honest with the media uh, because they're not honest. Uh, and there's so much more. You guys need to Google the Burke questioning. Uh, you can, Actually, if you want to Google just the entire testimony, you can go to, oh, I don't have internet, but it's like eight hours and 20 minutes in. Around 819 is around when Nadler hands it over to, to Burke. And it's it's so good. So Jennifer Taub, does a, she did a really good live tweeting thing of it, too, if you go to her Twitter yeah, it's like it's, 200 tweets. Mm-hmm. If you go, if you drop down toward, they're all great. Mm-hmm. But if you want the Burke stuff, which I think is the relevant stuff, uh, and I hope that they use Burke for all questions forever, because I don't think this five minute thing is at all useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people were like, I thought they got rid of the five minute thing. No, the rule is, is that they can use the five minute thing if they want to, but they reserve the right to have counsel ask questions uh, on behalf, staff counsel ask questions on behalf of the members for the last 
hour, half hour for Dems, half hour for Republicans. I think they should just do it the whole time, but I don't know if that's how the rule is written. I'll have to read them. Um, there's a couple other little notes. Jim Jordan sucked Lewandowski's cock for five minutes. I wrote mm-hmm. that down. They, yeah, they all did. Ken Buck named 15 countries whose elections Russia interfered with, and then he blamed Obama and, <laughs> yes. and his administration for allowing Russia to interfere on behalf of Trump against Hillary. Yep. Uh, that was Ken Buck has a special way of fi- he he was the guy who asked Mueller um, if he could arrest Trump after he left office oh, <laughs> and he got the surprise of his fucking life. Yeah. Uh, Lewandowski says that Obama, Comey, and Clapper had a responsibility to protect Americans from Russian interference, but simultaneously hates that Trump and Russia are being investigated for election interference. You can't have it both ways. They also said that no one in the campaign was ever alerted at all of, of about any of Russia's efforts. The FBI went to them. It's documented yes. that they said if Russia contacts you, they're reaching out. And if they do, let us know. Like yes. They even told them that. Yeah, and that that was another particularly infuriating thing about this hearing and all the hearings is when questions, everything's happening so quickly and everyone's trying to cram so much into five minutes that stuff like that just goes so unfact-checked. And I wish that, like, I don't know if you can do a point of order where you fact-check someone if they're relaying false information and they're questioning, but I, yeah, wish, you that could. You, I wish that they did then. Because there were moments like that where it's like, wrong 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 and wrong and they just yeah. got to just say it and yeah. keep going i i personally think if you're going to keep that five minute shit up each person gets one question mm. followed by a series of follow-ups mm-hmm. that's it that's all you get one question i i really want burke to just ask all the questions he was amazing um but uh in any case uh we're going to talk a little bit more about this and we've got more headlines so stick around we'll be right back after these messages we'll be right back Hey, it's AG. We're a nation of immigrants, and it's our individual origin stories that make America strong. Our diversity is our strength, and I think it gives us a window into that strength when we not only learn about our origins, but about the stories of our ancestors. And the curiosity about how I fit in led me to Ancestry DNA. Uh, Ancestry DNA gives you more than just the places your ancestors come from. It gives you a deeper understanding for who you are by gaining insight into how your family fits into the fabric of the country. Ancestry's data archives and record collections give you a more complete picture so you can trace your ancestors over time. So I took the test and found out my family comes mostly from the Netherlands, but more importantly, I was able to trace the people and their journeys. And I think my favorite distant relative is a guy they called Ethelred the Unready. Uh, He was an English king from 978 to 1013 AD, and then again from 1014 until he died in 1016. And in 1013, Danish king Swain Forkbeard invaded uh, the country, and Ethelred fled to Normandy. He ran away. Run away! And uh, I think that's why they called him the Unready. Uh, But actually... The truth is, is that Ethelred means well-advised and unready back then in Old English meant ill-advised. So it was like a pun on his name. But a mix of these folks eventually made their way to America and boom, here I am. Uh, But it's not just about how I got here. It's about understanding my responsibility to others and that unless we're indigenous, we're all immigrants and we should celebrate everyone's story because that is what makes America great. So go to Ancestry.com today for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. That's Ancestry.com for 20% off your DNA kit and start building your story today. Ancestry.com. All right. Welcome back. Uh, New poll out today from the Wall Street Journal. And Warren is surging. So Biden's at 31 percent, while Warren is now at 25 percent. Damn. Sanders is at 14. 
God damn. Yeah. Buttigieg is seven. Harris is five. Yang is four. And Klobuchar and Booker are tied at two. I don't understand why Harris is so low. I don't either. Um, but this is the first poll conducted since the last round of debates. Uh, and I thought I thought Harris did really well. And Buttigieg uh, got a little bit of a surge. Uh, apparently, Sanders dipped a little bit. But Warren phew, shot up like a rocket. Biden went down a couple points. Um, we've been saying for a while, it looks like Biden, Sanders and Warren seem to be the top. And that seems to be how it's shaking out, at, at least as polls continue. I hope to see a few candidates drop out in the coming weeks. Um, but then again, I would hate it if because I think 11 people are qualified for the fourth round debates. And that means they would split them onto two stages. And if one person drops out and it goes down to 10, we have 10 fucking people on the stage again. I hope they don't do that. Uh, but maybe we'll see a, a lot of people drop out. I don't know. Put some beans on it. We'll see. Exit polls in three main TV channels uh, in Israel are predicting that Netanyahu has lost the election with his right wing bloc not reaching 60, his 61 seat majority needed for the to win. And I, I'm watching my phone as we record this for any updates uh, on the election there. For, and for weeks now, the polls uh, indicated that it would be too close to call. And already on both sides, we have cries of election fraud. But fortunately, there were no cameras in polling places this time. That Remember that happened back in April? Mm-hmm. They put polling mm-hmm. cameras in polling places um, in more Arabic areas. Uh, and maybe that made a difference. Um, but, you know, as soon as we, when we get toward the end of the show, we'll take another look at Google and see see what's up. But it's in the middle of the night right there. So I don't know that anything is going to yeah come out. It's still too close to call. Yeah, that's all it's saying right now. Latest update 10 minutes ago. Too close to call. Yeah. Um, I did some research on the blue and white party. The other party that looks like they're going to actually have the win, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, they uh, Some of their platform issues are term limits, um, barring... <laughs> this would be Netanyahu's fifth term. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, barring indicted politicians from serving. Uh, he's also he under corruption. indictment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amending the nation state law Wait, to... indicted or convicted? This just says indicted. Oh, nice. Right. Yeah. Noise. Um, Can we um, do that? Uh, God, I know. Amending the nation state law to include Israeli minorities, Excellent. investing in early education, expanding health care, and re-entering negotiations with the Palestinian Authority for a peace agreement. Wonderful. Yes. Although the leader of that party uh, has come out still with like pretty Zionist stuff, it sounds, and kind of like backs away from two-state solution questions and everything. So even though that party Benny, seems- Benny Gantz? Yes. Yeah, the former, yeah, I did I think his former IDF chief of staff. He, yeah, he is. And it seems like they're they're better, right? Their their policy platforms seem better, but still not super uh, strong on like the two state solution thing, which is a bummer. Would he be as cozy with Trump as Netanyahu? God, has been? I do not think so. No, but what would you do if you, if it's not a two state solution, but you're for you know opening talks with Palestine? What is your solution? I think it's more that he shied away from giving a definitive answer on the two state solution it question. It makes than sense it is. when he's, you're general electioning it yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't think he's like a staunch. He's he's not nearly as staunch of an advocate, it seems, as like Netanyahu is. Of Zion, for, yeah, of, yeah. Of purely no, never. Yes. Excuse, yeah. Yeah, but there is like this other guy has said stuff like, you know, Israelis will always remain in this area and we're never going to like leave like certain contested regions and stuff. It seems like you have to say that. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, if you're high up in the IDF, too, that's like such a big part of their operations. Yeah, true. Chief so, staff. Yeah. But the other parts of their policy platform seem pretty good. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
BB's got to go. <laughs> and that, I guess, makes me an anti-Semite. Um, <laughs> also in the news today, U.S. federal judge Emmett Sullivan has dismissed Ackmenschen's libel suit against Bill Browder. Remember this? Twitter, this is yeah. so cool. Uh, this was Ackmenschen's second unsuccessful attempt. Um, or no, this was Russian. Two Russians have tried to sue um, Bill Browder for libel uh, in connection with the Magnitsky case. And if you remember the Magnitsky case, basically Bill Browder... Uh, he had this lawyer, Magnitsky, who who found a bunch of tax fraud uh, in Russia where uh, somebody was falsely using, I think, Browder's investment hedge fund company uh, in Russia to steal over like $240 million from the Russian government. Uh, and so that he, Magnitsky uncovered this tax fraud and apparently most of that money went to the Kremlin. Uh, so at first they thought they were going to be like, Russia's going to give us a medal for turning in the bad guys. But what happened was they jailed Magnitsky and murdered him, tortured him and mm-hmm. murdered him. And that's when Bill Browder started advocating for the Magnitsky Act, which is basically uh, if you do anything like that, you know, any humanitarian atrocity. Human rights violators. Human rights violators. You will be put on the OFEC list at the Department of Treasury, which is sanctioned. You're sanctioned. And people like... Oleg Deripaska are on the OFEC list, not you know, not anymore, uh, and um, and so that that's kind of how that went down. And in fact, um, MBS should be on the OFEC list be- because of the Jamal Khashoggi murder. And American intelligence has said that it was definitely him who orchestrated the murder, but Trump won't acknowledge it. And Trump actually had 120 days to respond per the Magnitsky Act, the Global Magnitsky Act. Uh, and uh, he didn't. He, he no call, no show. So he's in violation of the Magnitsky Act too. Nobody really brings that up at all. No. Um, for the death of of American, uh, well, a, a journalist with U.S. credentials, Washington Post, Khashoggi. And gosh, I wonder why, you know, Trump and Mohammed Bonesaw don't like the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, he was exiled from Saudi Arabia for, or was it the UAE? The kingdom. He was at, He was exiled for saying bad things about Trump. Uh, Khashoggi was. So uh, that anyway, we have a whole episode on the Magnitsky Act and the Browder testimony. It's episode two of Mueller. She wrote way back in November, I think, of 2017. It's a really good. Um, it's a really good explanation and coverage of what the Magnitsky Act is and how how important it is. We get a lot of questions. I'll go ahead and answer them right now, so you don't have to send them about why Bernie voted against the Magnitsky Act. He voted against the first one. He voted for the second one, which had broader implications and and was more global. Uh, I don't know why he didn't vote for the first one. Um, I've heard uh, spokespeople for Bernie say it was because it didn't go far enough, but I haven't heard Bernie say it himself. Uh, And whether whether that's here nor there, I don't know, but he did vote for the second Magnitsky Act. Nice. Um, I just want to make sure everybody knows that because it seems to be... Uh, conflated that because he didn't vote for the first one, he never voted for the Magnitsky Act. But yeah, he, that's a definitely a big talking point. That's anti-Bernie. Yeah, uh, I've seen it a lot, and I just kind of wanted to clear that up. But again, it, it, I don't know why he didn't vote for the first one, but I, you know, I'm just just giving you the facts, uh, and I have no opinion about that um, <laughs> because I just don't want to step in that puddle right now. <laughs> um, the deadline for acting. Uh, what director of national intelligence Joseph McGuire to turn over the whistleblower complaint he illegally withheld from the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence under direction of someone above him not in the intelligence community uh, which is Trump is tonight 
uh, at midnight and uh, Tuesday night, uh, if you're listening to this Wednesday morning, it was last night. Uh, Schiff said that uh, because it is someone above the DNI and it involves privilege, it's clear to Schiff that it, it's the president. And it's part of Trump's plan to exert a blanket. It's part of his, this is his MO. Trump's MO is to exert a blanket privilege or absolute immunity with anyone that has ever, ever spoken with him or, you know, anyone that Trump ever has spoken with. We saw that today in the impeachment hearings when Dearborn and Porter were blocked by the White House from appearing at all. Even Lewandowski, who never worked for the executive branch, claimed executive privilege during much of his testimony today. And we've seen it all summer. Um, with all other testimonies and, and documentations that Trump has blocked. Uh, so in this case, though, there is a statute that requires McGuire to turn uh, to turn this over to the House, and he's been subpoenaed to testify Thursday if he doesn't hand it over by midnight to Tuesday. And we expect those will also go unanswered. Put some beans on that. I think that they'll ignore it. Well, I don't know if, what, if you agree with that or not, but... I I would be shocked and surprised if he handed anything if he handed the whistleblower complaint over to shift tonight and I would be doubly shocked and mm-hmm. surprised if he didn't if he showed up to testify on Thursday. Mhm. Me too. All right, well, the end. <laughs> <laughs> Stick around. We just we have a couple more things. We have an awesome hashtag. I think you're going to love it. It's a little bit of a treat yourself hashtag. So, we'll be right back. Daily Beans would like to thank Beta Brand for making the most amazing pair of pants ever and having the friendliest staff members of all time. Two big takeaways from being on the road for me are that, one, the Beta Brand offices and the people who work there are incredible. And two, the dress pant yoga pants pack and travel as well as the podcast. They have four styles, the crop, the boot cut, skinny, and straight leg. Uh, I have each one in black, and I bring them all with me on every trip I take. So I have a little smorgasbord of pants and I do that for a lot of reasons first of all they don't wrinkle at all I even if I tried to wrinkle them like sometimes when I'm done I'll ball them up and bring them home and they're totally fine when I get them home and they're as comfortable as yoga pants but with dressy details like real buttons and belt loops and pockets and faux zippers and they're made of four-way stretch knit that has heft and support it's really great fabric I can wear them in front of former U.S. attorneys and then on to nights out with our patrons uh, who are just as important as former U.S. attorneys. But before Beta Brand, I had to buy my suiting from all the regular places off the rack, so I would have to tailor it if it didn't fit right, and they didn't stretch, and they didn't breathe, and they had itchy tags, and I, it, I would constantly be reminded of my pants instead of what I was working on because they were so uncomfortable. But with Beta Brand, then the dress pant yoga pants being so comfortable, I can focus on my life and my work without having to worry about how awesome I look. Uh, the compression fabric makes your butt look amazing, by the way. And they're super comfy. I can literally do yoga in them, and I do when we're on the road, when I need a minute of mindfulness amidst all the insane news and appearances and meetings. So I can't say enough about these incredible pants. So head to betabrand.com slash daily beans, all lowercase, to get 20% off yours. That's betabrand.com slash daily beans for 20% off the most comfortable pair of pants you'll ever own. You'll be glad you did. Hey, welcome back. Uh, So Trump is under fire again for racist comments. Shocker. And this time it's at a rally in New Mexico uh, where he said about a Latinx supporter, quote, he happens to be Hispanic, but I can't figure it out because he looks more like a wasp than I do. What? Uh, It's weird. I can't figure it out. uh, So I haven't figured it out. But there's nobody that loves this country more or Hispanic more than Steve Cortez. Who do you like more, the country or the Hispanics? We've got a lot of Hispanics. We love our Hispanics. What the fuck? 
What? Doesn't even make any sense. (laughs) No. So Gillis gets fired from Saturday Night Live for saying some racist shit. Oh, God, yeah. Which he deserved. But no one, everyone, the whole Twitter world erupts, but everyone's just cool with this. I don't think everyone's just cool with this. Obviously, we're all pissed and you're all pissed, but like, it's not everywhere. And that's weird to me. Right. That he can. He's, he can do all this misogynistic and racist shit and he doesn't get taken down like everybody else in the media. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Because unfortunately, elections function nothing like a free market and they're bought and sold. So he could do whatever the hell he wants and the NRA will lift him up and support him. I think forever. that more Yeah, but I would expect Twitter and social media to blow up about it. But the people that like him already have said it doesn't matter what he does. Yeah. He could do literally anything. I'm going to stand by him. So the people who like him would blow up about like the Shane Gillis stuff, but not about probably the not. Stuff. They probably don't give a fuck about that either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just feel like people who would blow up about Shane Gillis, yeah, would also blow up about this. I think and they're so too. Not. I think they're just not knowing or not hearing about it. Yeah. Well, I think it's like with the Shane Gillis thing. If you get enough people to tweet about it and everything, SNL eventually winds up pulling them or or these other you know because it's like. Enough of a market chunk has been demonstrated, you know, has demonstrated that they're not going to be okay with that if they keep them on. So it's not financially advantageous. It's the same way like Walmart, of all people, is finally like pulling some of their gun sales. I also think it's because uh, people have Trump fatigue. So it's like, great, he did or said another shitty racist thing. And there's nothing anyone can do about it, it seems. And so like mass shootings. Yeah. So it's like if you care about these sorts of issues like racism or misogyny, it's like you direct your rage towards situations or problems that you feel like you can actually impact Mm -hmm. as opposed to giving a shit what the president says on Twitter that day. You can, you know, tweet at SNL because the the network will respond. Hopefully, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's the free market has more ability to respond than the corrupt government Mm -hmm. (laughs) at this moment in time. Yeah. And fatigue is real. Like I know that. um, a couple of patrons and us when we were at our at, at Oak in San Francisco or at, in Seattle, um, Oak go if you are in Seattle, it's amazing, really good food. Um, if we had like a real conversation about there was a shooting, a couple of people got hit in Seattle. Nobody really heard about it in the country. <clears throat> they kind of heard about it locally, and and we all had to admit that we our first thought was it was only a couple people. Mm-hmm. And then we had a, a real discussion about how that made us feel to be that desensitized to it. And, and I think that at least being aware of your own desensitiz- desensitization is important. Uh, and, uh, you know, where to take it from there mm-hmm. uh, to, to, you know, maybe channel it into some activism rage. Right. Um, but it, it, it's real. It is real. And it can I think it can happen to anybody. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a lot of criticism of folks that you know will come out of the woodworks and just be very 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 upset on twitter about like shane gillis like stuff you know which is you know how many of those well i'm not gonna go here actually (laughs) well i think i think i'm not gonna finish that sentence (laughs) our base is not gonna like it i I think what's important is that i i what i want to kind of convey to everybody is um, everybody listening is don't get down on yourself if you're becoming desensitized to this stuff. Yeah. But recognize it and reflect on it. Right. Um, I think that everyone is so, I mean, there's so many other mental health issues that go along with this administration that, you know, asking people that, you know, getting angry at people for not being outraged, I don't think is the answer. Um, but I think I, I would ask you to maybe think about it and recognize it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I guess. I wasn't saying you were saying that. Oh, yeah, no, no, totally. It's just my own self. A more thought. carefully worded uh, version of what I was going to say, I guess, is 
to make sure that like like you said that the desensitization doesn't make it so that you're completely silent when stuff happens with Trump and then when other things happen which are also bad you have an incredible amount of outrage that's like you're putting all you're putting yeah you're putting all of your like angry eggs into one basket and kind of allowing I think we kind of allow ourselves to succumb to the uselessness of being outraged at stuff that people like Trump are doing because that's their strategy right because like you said it feels like it doesn't make a difference at Mm -hmm. all and who knows maybe I don't know fucking god yeah Twitter's not gonna ban Trump obviously so and we see it a lot too with people saying I don't even care anymore nothing's gonna happen Mm -hmm. no one's gonna do anything uh John Oliver made a joke out of it when he would hit the button and the banner would come down that says we got him and it was like dun 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 oh no no okay <laughs> and and but that's been going on for two years yeah you know so it, it it gets to a point you know yeah I guess when you feel that outrage rather than direct it towards the kind of Twitter fight of the day which is like not a bad thing like it's good to stay engaged on social media but next time the president says something racist like go donate some money to an anti-gun campaign or something because it's these people call your rep yeah go do a soup kitchen exactly like don't let yourself become totally numb take care of yourself but don't totally succumb to the numbness and when you do feel angry twitter is great but also it's great to like give some time or money to an organization that's going to be like backing people of color in a increasingly dangerous time right or like if you listen to the shane gillis stuff and and you're like wow this is such a blatant flagrant display of useless racism and harmful or harmful racism i should say you know yeah go donate to a legal fund or something that works to combat its instances of like racial prejudice in in certain communities and i like this idea i think we can call it like a one for one or you know eye for an eye or uh, that's terrible uh (laughs) outrage donations (laughs) yeah something where if something hemorrhabies activism (laughs) we'll come up with some sort of a cap and trade policy on shittiness where if whatever trump does something shitty you go and do something good and then maybe tweet about it we'll come up with a hashtag for it uh and you know you can be like trump it over trump did this and I did this to mm-hmm. counter it. Like, what, what would you call it? For, that? like, karmic balance Counter-kindness? Hashtag counter-kindness? Yeah. I like that. I if like you have that. any other better suggestions, tweet them at us. It's at Daily Beans Pod. I'd love your suggestions for this hashtag, because this could be kind of cool. We could maybe try to figure out some karmic balance in the universe. Yeah. yeah. I like that, too. Yeah. Karma's a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but bitch is not a good word to use anymore. It's not really right. woke. Um, karma's a God, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Tweet us. Yeah. Tweet us. Your favorite bitch replacement. (laughs) 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 So what is it? Daily B at Daily Beans Pod, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you can also hit us up at Muller She Wrote if you want. Um, and I'm also doing a contest to speak into this. I might as well just tell you. Uh, one lucky follower of the Daily Beans, starting from when we had zero followers until we hit 20,000 followers, uh, I'm going to fly out to you with the CEO of our network, uh, Starburns Media. They do Rick and Morty and all that. Uh, we're going to fly out. We're going to have uh, dinner with you and a friend. Um, so that's our Prizio, but we're not doing it through Prizio. So, um, and I just gave a plug to Prizio for no reason. But speaking of social media, let's uh, let's let's get social. 
Now we're going to take a little break from the news because hashtag saved by the bell is trending for the first time ever on Twitter. <laughs> uh, children of the 90s, NBC is rebooting Saved by the Bell and it's centered around Zach Morris as the governor of California who gets in hot water for closing too many low-income schools and forcing them to be bused to more privileged schools like Bayside High. The description actually says, quote, and when the kids from low-income schools are bused to Bayside, the influx of new students gives the overprivileged Bayside kids a hilarious dose of reality, unquote. Quote. Uh, we told you Zach Morris is trash. Uh, Mario Lopez is in it. Uh, he's 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 all in. Apparently, he's willing to drop all his high-profile A-list projects for this reboot. Though his last role on television was The Bold and the Beautiful in 2006. He's been hosting a lot of dance competition shows. Okay. <laughs> Uh, if it's not Cat uh, Dealey, I don't care. Uh, Elizabeth Berkeley is a go for the show as well. That was, of course, Elizabeth Berkeley as Jesse, um, one of the members of the uh, a band that was integral to my youth, Hot Sunday. Uh, no word as to whether Goslier, who played Zach fucking Morris, is on board. They haven't said he's even on board. But if they get Vanderbeek, I might watch because the writers from this show are from Great News and uh, somebody from 30 Rock. Um, I'm aware this isn't hard-hanging news, but saved by the, it's saved by the bell. So don't at me. But... Any, any guys, you have any discussion points for the new Saved by the Bell? Uh, if they got James Vanderbeek, I too would watch that. Right. He's hilarious. He's so great. He's excellent. He is. Yeah. Um. You know, I used to wake up every morning and watch it on TBS, so it'd be a nice full circle thing if I could <laughs> fall asleep watching it at night now. <laughs> if not, we'll get it when you're like 50 or 60. Yeah. Uh, Saved by the Bell, the retirement home years. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. <laughs> uh, back to our creatures. <laughs> Just fucking like in an institution somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I'm screech. Stop calling me screech. Uh, remember the rumor? No, you don't. You know what? Let's not talk about Saved by the Bell. I could do it all day. I could have a the whole podcast. The sexual stuff? No. Oh. I was going to say that. Because <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's fact. Before we had Google, everybody was walking around saying, did you hear? Did you hear that Dustin Diamond, who plays Screech, is Michael Diamond from the Beastie Boys' brother? And we all believed it because we didn't have Google because oh, people would funny. just go, I swear to God, and then you had to believe him. <laughs> and so, uh, thanks, Billy Bonnell. That's your joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, not true. The guy from the Screech is not related to Michael Diamond. Nice. Okay, well, back to our regularly scheduled content. So Trump is in California Tuesday for fundraisers. There's some people here with deep pockets that donate to Republicans uh, as he goes to war with the state, as he's about to strip California of its ability to set its own fuel efficiency rates for automobiles. California has long used that power to raise fuel efficiency ratings for the country since we're by far the largest consumer of automobiles and automakers have to comply with our standards if they want to sell cars. Gavin Newsom says he won't roll over on this one. He says California negotiated privately with the industry. Uh, with the auto industry, and they agreed. And he says, checkmate, because Trump didn't see that coming, uh, that we actually ha- they do part of, you know practice the art of the deal, uh, literally, and get them done. <laughs> California is involved in about 60 lawsuits against Trump policies right now as we, run, as we run record budget surpluses while the government is running record deficits, all while reducing here in California greenhouse gases and protecting, preserving, and pr- promoting our progressive values. So Gavin Newsom... And Trump seemed to be having this reality show battle. The thing is, as well, is that California's uh, environmental policies obviously have an international impact. Like a couple of years ago, I was working for a climate change organization. And like on the global stage after Trump was elected, um, you know, people kind of stopped paying attention to the federal government and just looked directly to California for 
kind of, you know, setting the tone for American environmentalism, you know, and so it's like it's the fifth or sixth largest economy of California was a country, a fifth biggest. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's a very international state. We do a lot of international business here. Like, yeah, I wish we were our own country. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> we aren't allowed to secede though by the, con- the rules of the constitution Texas you can go though you still are allowed to secede so be gone go ahead sorry right. Texas listeners I'll vote for you everyone except Austin you have to keep Austin and San Antonio and Dallas and a couple of pl- you know what I'm sorry I love too many people in Texas to ask them to go just just the Never mind. These are super beans that I don't think are true. But the last few days, Kamala, in concluding on the debate stage, has been bringing up this fact that essentially her and the policies promoted by representatives in California and senators made it so... Well, I can't say senators. Basically, she said L.A. cleaned up their sky over the last 20 years because of all of these regulations. And I wonder if Trump is hearing that and he's like, fuck you. I'm going to fuck California up so they get their black sky back. (laughs) No blue sky for you. (laughs) And then Kamala and all of her cohorts, her evil, evil cohorts, no longer can be happy about having cleaned up their sky. No blue sky for you. Yeah. Is the blue sky I don't think that's actually what's happening. I think that's more just an added benefit for him. Yeah, it's an unintended nice consequence. Right. They could take away that win from California legislators that uh, Mm. apparently cleaned stuff up. And I think we just voted to ban private prisons, too. Yeah, including ICE facilities, as far as I know. But that doesn't kick in until like 2020-something, 2025 or something. Good, though. Good. It's frustrating because, obviously, Trump has pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord and, you know, most international climate agreements. And even when states are trying to be like, okay, well, we're trying to do our own thing and, like, try to do good stuff anyway, he's like, nah. (laughs) Has California gone and signed up back off for the 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 Paris Climate Accord? uh, Yeah. States, States can't sign. Only countries can. As far as I know, when, I bet they'd let us. Yeah, I mean, they kind of did. As far as I know, when Jerry Brown was still governor, he went to to an international climate summit, kind of representing California. Like it was mostly countries. He went and then yeah, Jerry Brown. He went to represent the United States because Trump wasn't going to go. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I think we're sort That'd of be great if he showed up at the G seven when, when yeah. they had that empty chair for the climate conference and yeah. just Jerry Jerry Brown walks. He's like, hey, I'll, I'll do it. I, I don't know if we like uh, for sure. We're most of America, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like they, we've like honorarily signed it in California. <laughs> we can't technically because we're not a country, but like you know, Jerry Brown goes to stuff representing the U.S. or did when he was still governor. Maybe if he goes with uh, the backing of states' oh, rights, like, he can be like, "We're different here. <laughs> we have, I'm allowed to be here." I guess it would have been Jerry thing. Brown. It would have been Gavin Newsom at the at the last G7. Mm-hmm. My bad. No corrections needed. No corrections needed but if you do have any corrections you can go to dailybeanspod.com or com. click on contact and select corrections from the drop down and uh, we'll get it right eventually uh, that's our show today any final thoughts at last last check on israel uh, i think it's still close too close to call um between benny gantz and baby same 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 yeah it's middle of the night over there but we'll we'll update you tomorrow I do wonder if, like, the new party that hopefully will overthrow Netanyahu's <laughs> reign, um, their domestic policies sound great, but if their foreign policies are just going to be more of the same, that would suck. Yeah, I think it's better, though. Uh, and I don't think that their think foreign policies too. are the same. I don't think that they're uh, pro-election interference the way that Netanyahu was. That's true. I guess more specifically the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the position that the states has, that the United States has sort of taken. At least they'd be willing to open up talks. Bibi wouldn't at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's a step. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish they it's had a more progressive candidate, but that person might not have a chance right. in a general. Right. Uh, I'm not too familiar with their politics, but well, the party is kind of like a conglomerate of I think at least three different parties. Mm-hmm. So they definitely tried to create some umbrella of a party. Yeah, and I imagine that it's hard to find an umbrella of a party that all are like pro Palestine. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Benny Gantz spoke a bit ago, uh, and it wasn't a full-on victory speech, but he le- it was leaning that way. Um, neither, but like you know, neither have a clear path toward putting together a functional government. Though it's just so split. Um, but there is a preliminary hearing for Netanyahu's criminal charges in just two weeks. So there's also <laughs> that. Uh, that's really interesting. And um, that's our show. Any final thoughts? No, big news day. Yes, those hearings were. Don't bother watching them unless you just watch the highlights of the five minute apiece bullshit. Uh, but definitely watch the entirety of the of the Burke questioning. Yeah. It was it was good. I'd love to have like, and he's pretty dreamy too. He might be my new boyfriend since McCabe could be you know busy. Mm-hmm. I and, wish and married. Yeah, <laughs> also that. And I'm also married. Busy being married. Um, I wish that they brought on therapists after these appearances by these sociopaths uh so they could just like comment more on their behaviors because i swear i'm just looking at lewandowski and you can just see like oh you had an awful childhood like that's my first thought (laughs) is like you are you are so insecure you were bullied you were so yeah you were such a fucking nobody loser or like you felt like that when you were growing up i always think about like it's all these regressed children walking around and fucking up the world yeah you can tell that you're going to therapy it shows i'm going to therapy so hard dude i'm reading books i'm fucking i'm going to therapy so hard look at all these regressed children walking around i'm reading books your therapist listens i hope she's really proud some good shit but yeah i agree i love it yeah, uh, and like someone pointed out that he does this thing every time he does like a own the libs where he like licks his lips and moves them around together, and I bet you that's the same shit he did when people were giving him shit in elementary school, and it's like a freaking tick of a token of insecurity that of he's for him brought with him, it's bubbling to the surface, yeah. from his you know id, mm-hmm. which is a seething cauldron of bubbling desire, exactly. Uh, now you're on my same page <laughs> yeah like maybe he was like like chapstick insecure growing up or something <laughs> that's why he does that with his lips chapstick <laughs> insecure <laughs> yeah these horrible chap lips yeah and everybody made fun of his dry lips mm-hmm. yeah yeah and he's like well sorry I didn't have enough money for chapstick they call him <laughs> Corey Corey Kaluan Lipsky <laughs> I don't know how to make fun of Lewandowski <laughs> I know that's kind of hard <sighs> okay anyway go to therapy everyone seriously yeah. just do yourself and the world a favor treat yourself everyone that listens to us is fine though probably absolutely uh, <laughs> I do it statement. you do it birds do it bees do it mm-hmm. even educated fleas do it go do it <laughs> check into therapy uh, but seriously, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and take care of the planet and your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Gobert. I've been Mandy Reader. And them's The Beans. The Daily Beans is produced by AG, featuring Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn, and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our merchandising manager is Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. 
Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jaleesa Johnson, and Jordan Coburn, with executive assistance by Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is dailybeanspod.com.